Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. And I'll try to say hi to people as I see you. Hi, Sean Mucci. Right from the day I was born, the day I was born, it's just as if I was sworn into the sweet life with you. You're the lover of my soul. You da la da 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 have kept me close to your side. Da la la da. I admit it. Again. Lucky to be breathing your air. Lucky to be filling this space. Lucky to be counted as one who gets to know amazing grace. Lucky to be wearing your crown. I was little me. I'm just a girl with a dream. Just a girl with a dream. The one that you have so lavished on. There is no single song that could ever contain it all. Lucky to be breathing your air. Lucky to be filling this. Lucky to be counted as one who gets to know amazing grace. Lucky to be freed of my shame. Freed of my shame, yeah. Lucky just to utter your name. Oh yeah, utter your name. Call it blessed, call it fortunate. The word's not important, but that it's not by chance, but divine. Lucky to be breathing your air, lucky to be filling this space, lucky to be counted as one who gives to know amazing grace, lucky to be wearing your crown, yeah, lucky to be one who was found, yeah, lucky to be breathing your air, lucky to be filling this space, lucky to be counted as one. Gets to know amazing grace. Lucky to be one of your own. Yeah. Lucky to be never. Lucky to be never alone. Thank you. Good night, people. Okay, just kidding about the good night part. <laughs> ah. All right, so we're starting the show out tonight with Sherry Keggy. That's on her CD, No Longer My Own, people. 
last night she was on Facebook doing a uh, a live show from her house, and it was super cool. Um, I commented on it, and it was so sweet. She she um, sent her condolences to us for our dog Tuggy Bear, who died two weeks ago today. And um, um, it just you know it really just touched me. I just re I just uh, wrote over on my uh, Facebook page about it about tug being gone now for two weeks it's it's been two weeks you know i mean the first week we cried practically the whole week and this week has not been as bad but you know it's still it's still it's so sweet i mean you guys i just gotta tell you i randall and i have received so many nice messages a couple of cards some gifts uh from people um you know expressing your con your love and condolences and and you know, I have to tell you the what I just wrote on my Facebook was, you know, one of the things that a lot of people have said to us is that um, that they're sorry that we've lost a friend, you know. And I never, you know, you, you know, you've always heard the the um, the phrase, you know, a dog is man's best friend, right? But. I never thought about it, really. I mean, I never thought of Tug as a friend, just like I don't, I never really thought of Grover as a friend, or my cat for that matter, but cats are, you know, you know, they're of the devil, the cats are. But anyway, the, um, the, but Grover, you know, Grover is a good buddy. You know, he's my buddy. I love him. I love him probably more than Tuggy Bear, but I don't know. I apparently love Tuggy Bear quite a bit because I didn't cry this much at the loss. I guess it has been two weeks already. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't it's cry this much gone by at the, quickly, at the loss. Which is, I guess, is a good thing if I'm, it seems to have gone by quickly. But. Well, but yeah, I mean, we got a card today from our financial planner <laughs> who lost his dog unexpectedly a couple of years ago. And, oh my gosh, you talk about watching social media and having your heart ripped out from a man who loves his dog. I was like, okay, I can't do this. I cannot watch your social media because every time I do, my heart's like, <coughs> you know, <laughs> it's just for an empath. Oh my gosh, it's awful. But um, I mean, there are good friends, and and then there's a dog. No man's best friend because there is that unconditional love, and and they just to please. You know, they aim to please. That's their... Every dog needs a job. Mm -hmm. Take note, people. Every dog needs a job of some kind. Yeah. And in performing that job, they're looking to please you. Because they want to eat. That's a... <laughs> that's that's a big motivator. But also... Anyway, as our... As my own experience, our own experience would tell. You know, as I was writing about Luke and Liberty um, not too long ago. And Did you cry as you wrote it? Um, uh, probably it's hard to remember now. I know I did as I read it, especially I posted it this week and people were commenting on it saying it was beautiful and thank you for sharing. And, and, uh, I'm like, Randall says to me, maybe I should be a romance writer. And, yeah. Cause it's all the women who are saying this, <laughs> all women that are saying how, how beautiful it was. And well, for a man to go, you know, <clears throat> That was beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I have no problem looking at a sunset or a sunrise or a forest and go, wow, it's beautiful. Or or I've read poetry. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. 
So if you guys are on, mine, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and say something. Say hi so we know that you, who's there. You know, Periscope, I have 6,000 whopping followers on Periscope, but right now three are in the chat room. Mm-hmm. We're not being spiked or hidden on Periscope by Twitter, are we? I wouldn't think so now, would we? Nah, we just lost our relevance. <laughs> Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> no, I've tried to We were hot stuff at one time, but... No, we're, the banning of believers yeah. is, is more... Um, whatever. But anyway, so uh, can I finish? It, but he interrupted me. Did you people know that? But you, that's okay. I'll let you go. Go ahead. Ask me a question. I didn't. I you didn't, did? I did not. I don't remember asking you a question. I remember you getting cr- interrupted. Did you cry when you wrote it? Well, that, but you interrupted my opening monologue. But whatever. Go ahead. No, no. I'm as you were. So, as I started to say before Bareface jumped in and like interrupted my opening monologue that you know talking about dogs and being your your friend you know i never thought about that you know and so it just kind of made me think you know animals are unconditional lovers that's kind of lost you know i've kind of lost the flow of what i was saying really so bareface you should come back and read your thing go ahead i wasn't gonna read it no well what were you gonna say you're gonna say something just just Because I was saying that, you know, dogs are motivated by food, but then... Doggy Bear was. I recalled, as I was writing about Luke and Liberty, that, you know, we could put a treat at their feet and actually call them away from it. We could leave them a ro- leave the room and leave it sitting there, and they wouldn't take it until we told them it was okay, so... They were German Shepherds. Tuggy Bear was a Bichon. But we never tried any of that. We never... Tuggy Bear would have ate it no matter what. He was a he, <laughs> he was a food hound. Anyway. A thief, a scoundrel, a face of evil. That's what so, he was. It was just I was just trying to illustrate. Amazing that he the, lived to be fifteen without that, his, you know, wicked ways. Anyway, it just, just goes to show that the desire to please mm-hmm. their masters is is above is above their desire so what do you, what do you what do you miss the most about tuggy bear <sighs> it's time for therapy it's a uh, therapy moment people um just hanging out i think about the days you know that i'd be just sitting on a chair or whatever and i'd have grover on one side and tug on the other it was usually Grover on the right and Tug on the left, but not always. Sometimes they'd switch it up and, uh, you know, just be there. My thighs basically sitting, or sometimes, you know, like along my calves if I had my feet up. And, and you know, just their presence. And, again, there was something about, as you know and other people know, the look in Tug's eyes that... Like he got it. Like he, there was something more going on there than just the typical dog thoughts, whatever those are. That I don't know. He was a very weird dog. That you know, you could tell that he thought and felt deeply. Like me. Like you. Yeah. Only differently, hopefully. Yeah. 
Well, he doesn't. He probably didn't obsess about weird things like I do the way that I do. I don't know. You never know. Maybe. I miss him because he's not outside my bathroom door anymore. Yep. Good every, at that. Every time I go inside the bathroom and shut the door, I op- turn around, open the door, there he was, laying there. Yep. Even when he could barely walk, he made sure to be there. Yep. He followed me up the stairs. Then he'd fall down the stairs. <laughs> so thing. Uh. Poor little guy. Um, yeah, and you know, I've noticed Grover um, is now kind of hanging out outside my bathroom door a little bit mm. in the morning. It's not every time I go to the bathroom, but mm. you know, he's been up there a few times, kind of out, kind of on the outside, going, mm. "She can come out. She can come out." You know. And for those of you who who care, which is most of you, um, I uh, poor little Grover. You know, we went out to lunch today. Because, you know, we can't just, we can't stay here forever. I played pickleball and then we went out to lunch after. And um, Grover was pretty much a mess, mess by the time I got home. He was crying and everything and I had to hold him. And and uh, he doesn't cry much, but Tug was unflappable. Grover's the exact opposite. He's like a complete neurotic mess. <laughs> this is why I, I, re- I resonate with Grover. But, you know, Tug was... Was a great guy, great yeah, dog. Yeah, Tug. Just hey, Tug. The sky's falling. Who okay. cares? Whatever. That's cool. Yeah. I'll just deal with it. Whatever. There's a tornado. <laughs> I'll just take a sun nap right now. Uh, <laughs> dog did nothing. Sean, that... Sean over in, on uh, YouTube says Tug was a true therapy dog. You know, I never thought of doing that with him, but I he probably would have been a great one. He was. He, you know, even <laughs> going into the assisted living to see my dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody loved Tug. He would just sit there. Because he didn't care. He was like, whatever, give me food. And, yeah, and and scour the floors for many crumbs I could find. Meanwhile, Grover's like, Mom, please don't leave me. (laughs) Can I sit on your lap? Hold me. (laughs) It's so funny. All right. Well, anyway, so I wanted to share a couple things. So is this COVID-19 thing impacting you? So I'm going to tell you something. This week, okay, this week I had to go to the eye doctor. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Finally, because, you know, I would have had glasses a couple months ago, but they closed down the eye doctor. So finally I got to go in. But here's the funny thing. So they texted me a message and they're like, make sure you bring your mask to the eye doctor. And I'm like, I don't have a mask. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to be, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I am not bringing, I'm not, I'm not buying a mask. I'm not bringing a mask. I am not wearing a mask, people. And I know some people, I was reading in Romans today. I have to, um, I'll get to that in a second. Well, actually, I'll get to it right now. So I set out a challenge this week in our Daily Disciples Facebook group to read through the book of Romans this week. Uh, And I explained all that in that group. So you can go find that on Facebook and join it. Um, And in chapter 14, you know, it talks about the weaker brother and food and how all this stuff is, you know, um, how this deals and stuff. Well, this made me think about the whole COVID-19 thing and the mask. So is it, you know, are you a butthead if you don't want to wear a mask? Are you a rebellious person? In fact, all over Facebook this week, people are asking, do you wear a mask when you go in public? And then if you dare say no, it's the horror of it all, you know? Well, anyway, so I go to the eye doctor, right? And so it said, bring a mask. I'm like, I'm not bringing a mask. Number one, I didn't have one. Then Randall found a recycled one. I'm like, I ain't wearing that. It wasn't so, recycled. It was new. Well, anyway, so I went 
to the doctor, the eye doctor, and they're like, you got to call first. I called in doo, 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 from the parking lot. This is the stupidest, stupidest thing ever. Try not to say the A word. Anyway, so I'm like, they're like, hello, blah, 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 eye center. And I'm like, hi. They're like, who is this? I'm like, Stacy, um, I have an appointment. And they're like, do you have your mask? I'm like, no. Do you have extras you could bring me? And they're like, why? As a matter of fact, yes, we do. And I'm thinking, duh, of course they do because they're the thing. So anyway, we go out. I, I, you know, I get out of my car. They bring out the mask, put the mask on. They shoot me with the thermometer to make sure I'm not, I don't have a fever. Then I go in and they're like, ma'am, you need to go wash your hands over there. I had already washed my hands before I left my house, but whatever. I just thought, okay, fine. So I went over there, washed my hands. You know, I'm like, you might do squirt, squirt to the soap, doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, doing it a lot just so they could see that I'm doing it. And then, you know, I go ahead and, um, and then. After I washed my hands with my mask on my face, they took me in to do my eye exam. Now, this is the funny part. So, the funny part is I'm in there, right? Mask. Glasses on. And they're like, you need to put your hand over your glass so we can test your eye. And I'm like, okay. So, I have my eye on my actual glasses, a mask over my face, and I'm trying to read through this eye. While my glasses are fogging up because I have this mask on. And I'm like, to the kid that was in the room with me, it was just me and this kid who also had a mask on. I said, is this really necessary? He was like, yes, ma'am, it is. I'm like, seriously? Because this is ridiculous. I can't even, you know, he's like, I have a trick for you. I'm like, you do? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, like, what is it? He's like... Just take your mask and put it like right below your nose so you can breathe. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a pain in the butt to get an eye exam because then I had to, you know, when I finally could take my glasses off for the, for the distance eye exam that they do with, you know, without your glasses. I'm like, this is insane. So then today you're going to love this one. So this is how COVID's impacting me. So finally, after all these months, I can go play pickleball, right? So me and my friends, because pickleball is a walk-in sport. Like there's a hundred of us, 50 of us probably show up at a time. And then we just rotate in and out and fight over who gets to play with, you know, not, not with Phil, but other, anyway, we have all this group of people that usually show up. Well, so now we have to reserve our court with the people we're going to play with. And pay for it. This is the worst part because we already paid for the gym membership. But they're like, no, for the next two weeks, at least, this is how we're doing it. Well, the pickleball community is revolting <laughs> because very few people are doing it. Well, anyway, so I go in there. I reserve a court today. And my friend that was supposed to be with us showed up early and she and there was one person late for the first four group that was going to play. So she decided to go play with the other three people while she was waiting for us. So we walk in. I hadn't seen my friend DJ in quite some time because she goes to Florida for the winter. And she came in. I'm like, do you think we could hug each other before we go inside and before they give us a lecture about being this far apart? 
DJ's like, yeah. So we hug each other. Then we walk in. I pay the stupid three bucks. And then we go into the court. My friend Diane, she's over there playing with the, uh, three other people that she wasn't supposed to be playing with. I'm like, hey, Diane, you need to come over here and play with us. And just then, the court Nazi comes in and says, she can't play with you. I'm like, why not? Because she's already playing with them over there. I'm like, they're waiting for their fourth person. She was just stepping in to, to play while she was waiting for me and my other three pe two people. They're like, nope, sorry. You can't play with your friend. <laughs> Are you serious? So DJ's like, yeah, they're serious. They're, they're going to shut pickleball down. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are like, I don't even know. I don't even know what the right word is, but it's like, I'm like, they're enforcing pickleball like Nazi Germany. It's like, you, you signed up with three other people. One of them defected from your group to go play with the other person while they're waiting for their fourth person. So as it turned out, though, the fourth person that was supposed to be playing over there ended up playing with us, and it was still really fun. But how stupid is this? I mean, seriously. Completely stupid, right? The only good thing about playing pickleball today was the fact that we could hear other people playing pickleball. We had, like, okay, so the courts, there's two courts over here, and then two more over here. They got them spread out. So we were over here, and then there's a wall, and then the other people were, like, diagonal over on that side. So we could hear each other play, so it kind of felt almost like, okay, there is other people here. Not like we're in, like, some cemetery playing pickleball by ourselves. I mean completely crazy um and all because of COVID-19 I mean seriously and pickleball the only thing about pickleball is the, the only thing that you touch in pickleball is the ball so we're like why can't we just like sanitize the ball and then we can all use hand sanitizer like go squirts our hand sanitize the ball and then diane can come play with us and then donna can go play with the other team that she was originally gonna play with no we cannot cross contaminate the court i'm like you've got to be kidding me and yet i have to tell you guys something here's the interesting underlying thing about this at one point the rec center person who was supposed to be watching us you know the whole time they weren't even in there and and there was this much temptation to go cross mingle, you know, in the, you know, just to see what they would have done. I'm going to come over here. They take me by the scruff. You are escorted out because you dared go and, and be with other people. I mean, that is completely insane. And then here's the other thing. I haven't shared this either. Um, my dad, I get a phone call from his assisted living yesterday. Right. You guys know I got a 91 year old dad. I haven't been able to see because that population is very vulnerable. Well, I get a phone call from the executive director yesterday telling me, um, well, it's mandated now by the government that we have to do testing with all of our residents. And we're calling you up to find out if, what, if you want to get your dad tested or not. <laughs> and then he says, just so you know, this is a pretty invasive test. They're either going to put something up his nose or in his face. And I'm like, okay. And you're testing them for what? You want to test them for what? 
for COVID-19. I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. My dad's been in isolation for two months because <laughs> you're not letting anybody in the, the building except you guys, which, you know, you're all cross-contaminated because you're seeing other people. And now because the government's saying that you should run testing, make it mandatory, you're calling me up to see if my dad should take a test when he hasn't been around anybody. And they're like, yep. <laughs> so what do you think I said? Do you think I said, oh, you know what? It's so thoughtful of you to want to do a test on my dad because it's so important to find out that he's negative of COVID-19. Or do you think I said, are you serious? Really? What do you think I said? Well, I'll tell you what I said. I said, no, do not be giving my dad that test. Right? I mean, how ridiculous is it that he has been isolated for two months and now you want to go shove a tube, you know, a Q-tip up his nose and run an unnecessary test to find out that oh, he doesn't have COVID-19. <laughs> so then the, the worst, even the saddest part was they were telling me, well, even, even though, you know, he was saying one resident said, well, if we find out that we don't have it, can we go out and go out to lunch with our family? No. You can't leave. If we find out you don't have COVID-19, you are still mandated to stay here forever and ever until you die. I'm like, all right. So why are you calling me then? You know, he's like, look, we've kept COVID-19 out of this building and we're going to keep it that way. And we're not opening up until we decide we're opening up because we're going to keep your relatives safe. I said, yeah, until they die of a heartbroken heart because they're lonely. You know, and he's like, well, what we've found is some of the old people in here. He didn't say it that way, but may as well have. Some of the old people are doing really well with seeing their, their loved ones outside the window. I'm like, all right, so that's not going to work with my dad, you know. My dad, if my dad see me on the outside of a window, he may think that he is actually hallucinating that I'm on the outside of the window. And then the next thing you know, in the middle of the night, he's going to look outside his window if see if I'm there because my dad's got dementia and he hallucinates. So I said, no, 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 no. I am not going to go and hang outside the window and say hi to my dad. I am not going to go put my hand on the window. Like, I have to, I have to touch the glass window so I can feel this connection. I mean, it's so stupid, you guys. And I know, I want to kidnap my dad. Believe me, I've actually thought about it. You know what I've secretly thought about? I, I know the code to get into that place. And they're so shorthanded there that it would be not very hard for me to go in the middle of the night, break in with the code, go up there and actually see my dad. But it'd be my luck. I would get busted. And then you guys would have to go visit me in jail because I'd be in jail because of the COVID, not the COVID Nazi people who, who are like, well, how dare you break the law to go see your dad. And I'm like, what law? There is no law except for the fact that they're keeping me away from my dad for no reason at all. Even though, yes, I know there is a little bit of a reason but the reason is underlying insanity and that's the worst part you know what i mean so i don't know you guys i really don't know my dad's birthday is in july his 92nd birthday is in july do you think i'm actually gonna get to see my dad on his birthday 
his 92nd birthday. How many more birthdays will he have? I don't know. But, you know, they give me this BS. Oh, he's doing just fine. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, they would keep you in jail and let murderers out to them. I know, right? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And yet at the same time, going back to the whole Romans thing, look, I get it. I understand that people are terrified. And you know what I found? And don't get mad at me. Well, you can. Feel free to get mad at me. You know what I found the most? And you guys can put a one or two or whatever. Um, <clears throat> what I found is that my friends who lean more left, who are more liberal, are the ones who are freaking out the most. They're the ones getting ticked off if somebody's in public without a mask. They're the ones who who are like like being overly cautious, not wanting to go anywhere. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, uh, I would rather go out in public and breathe on people, touch people, you know, cough around people, <laughs> get all the germs I can so that my immune system can be strengthened. But then again, I have to also say, I don't have a weakened immune system. I have some friends that do. I don't. I'm very blessed that way. I've always had a really good immune system. But then again, you never know, people. I could die from this. I really could. Wouldn't that be ironic? If I did die from it, I would hope that you would all have a hearty laugh on that. I mean, after you grieved me and stuff, I, I would hope <laughs> that you would be sad for me, but happy at the same time. You know, the irony of it all would be if I did die from it, it would be funny because I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> to, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. But the other part of me is kind of like, I get it. I understand that some people are super paranoid, even though they say, I wear a tinfoil hat. They're the ones really wearing the tinfoil hat and, and drinking the Kool-Aid from the liberal media that is lying to them about everything. I mean, the whole mask thing is insanity. In fact, the people at the eye clinic where I went, by the way, you will see my new eyeglasses, which I will be wearing soon in a couple of weeks when I get them. When I went out to get my glasses and pick out my glasses, you know, the frames and stuff, I was like, do you mind if I take this mask off? They're like, no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm in a room with one person. You make me wear a mask, but now I'm in a room with 10 of you. And you're like telling me I can take my mask off. Mm -hmm. And I said to one of them, I said, uh, so how do you feel wearing a mask all day? I said, you do realize that this isn't good for you, right? They're like, yep, we totally realize that. And I'm like, well, then how are you dealing with this? This is actually putting your health at risk <laughs> by you wearing a mask. And they're like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. I'm like, why don't you just take it off? So interestingly, today when I went to Pickleball, the people that check you in, right? So they're normally wearing a mask. Well, I went in there and can you believe it? They actually had their mask off. And I went like this. I was up at the counter. I went, <gasps> and it was so funny too, because there's a cop sitting there inside with the with the employee i went <gasps> and they're like what i said you are not wearing a mask and the the lady turned around she laughed she's like well i wasn't talking to anybody and as she's putting the mask on <laughs> i thought it was funny so but it's insane this is like a bad sci-fi movie 
Yeah, it is. This is like a, a sci-fi movie gone bad. I mean, who wrote this script? It's like we're all these little pawns inside this this movie, and we're like go you know, going everything. And anyway, another friend of mine today said to me, she said, no matter what, I am not taking a chip or a vaccine from Bill Gates. I'm like, praise God. You're on my side. That's good. Yeah, it is. If I was 100 percent out, 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 if I was 100 percent, I would be outside. Going outside is good for you. But anyway, I want to change the subject quickly, and I want to read you this one article that I found. I know Bareface brought it up, but so I'm just saying this is how COVID-19 is affecting me, you know, and it's it's really infuriating because it's keeping me from my father, who I absolutely love and adore, and you know, but. <laughs> And playing pickleball is like, somebody said, well, you should be glad you can play pickleball. I said, yeah, it's like playing pickleball in prison. You know, like I may as well like put bars around the court because that's what it's like. It's like, and you can't let, you know, pickleball player one, two, three, four, five, six come and play over here because they step foot on the other court with three other people that they, you know. No cross-contamination. It's ridiculous. All right, so this article came from Prophecy News Watch, <clears throat> and um, I want to I I wanted your your thoughts on this. It's titled "Lutherans Now Promoting Praying to Mother God After Wiping Israel from the New Testament." So there's this quote over on the ELCA, um, even I stand for the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the yes, Lutherans in America. Yeah. So it says, Mother God, you have fed us with the nourishment of your spiritual food. Raise us up into salvation and rid us of our bitterness so that we may share the sweetness of your holy word with all the world. Hashtag bread for the day. Hashtag prayer. So I'm like, I know that that they... They put this up here to irritate conservative Bible-believing Christians. So this is what it says. Listen to this. It says, The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America continues to stir up controversy with its, quote, progressive policies, unquote, and are pushing members who want to hold to sound doctrine no choice but to leave the denomination. Which they should have done a long time ago. Right. Several weeks ago, the Danish Bible Society, which is run by the Evangelical Lutheran Church, came under heavy fire for the Danish translation, and that's in quotes, of the Bible that virtually wipes out Israel, and that's in quotes, from the New Testament. That's insulting. I mean, it's that, oh. Anyway, in the Greek New Testament, the word, quote, Israel, unquote, occurs more than 60 times. However, it's only found once in the New Danish version called Biblin 2020. That's right, just once. And that one occurrence is a direct quote from an Old Testament verse. Otherwise, Israel, and that's in quotes, is gone. The reason for this, the society argues, is that Christian readers must not connect, quote, Israel, unquote, in the New Testament with the nation of Israel today. The ELCA has long promoted the idea of, quote, replacement theology, also called super sensationism, super sensationism, which essentially teaches that the church has replaced Israel and God's plan. Adherents of replacement theology believe the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have specific future plans for the nation of Israel, which means they don't know what they're talking about because if they read the Bible, then they would know that they're so wrong. But anyway, 
This is not the first time Lutheran leadership has promoted such views. In 2018, Robert O. Smith, a pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church and a stalwart in the World Council of Churches and the Lutheran World Federation, addressed a conference at St. Olaf Institute for Freedom and Community. I always think of the Golden Girls when I hear St. Olaf because the character Betty White played on that show always talked about St. Olaf. <laughs> Just cheering. Uh, <laughs> who was St. Olaf, anyway? If somebody knows who that was, I'd like to know. Smith was seated before a boycott divestment sanctions banner and made these declarations. The ancient Israelites are not linked in any substantive or material way to the contemporary modern state of Israel. Ellipsis. The biblical narrative of Israel has almost nothing to do with contemporary Israel other than the intentional manipulation of sacred text to justify a political project. There are other significant problems with this translation, including the, remo the removal of words like sin, which becomes watered down to a mere mistake. Now the church is raising... Whoopsie. I know. Now the church is raising red flags with its promotion of praying by addressing God as mother instead of father on its official Facebook page as well as via Twitter. Mother God, you have fed us with the nourishment of your spiritual food. How do you do that? Raise up. Raise us up into salvation and rid us of our bitterness so that we may share the sweetness of your holy word with all the world. The ELCA tweeted on Tuesday as part of their hashtag bread for the day series of Twitter posts. The tweet has gotten a fair amount of negative attention. Gee, I wonder why. Hans Fein, a conservative pastor who oversees the popular Lutheran satire YouTube channel, responded with a simple message to people who still value biblical literacy. Leave the ELCA, he succinctly replied when retweeting the ELCA post. For those who choose to remain in this apostate de denomination, they will find themselves treated to more of the same in their churches as the leadership continues to steer them in the wrong direction. Is that, is that the right use of the word steer there? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure it's not like the steer is in, like, you know. Bovine? Yeah. Same spelling. Okay. The presiding bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the Reverend Elizabeth Eaton, has expressed her belief that although hell may exist, Might. it is entirely empty because God doesn't give up on those who reject him. Good to know that she doesn't read the Bible either. The statement came from a recent interview for the podcast, Face to Faith. She said in the interview, if we take a look at salvation history, ever since we got booted out of the garden, it has been God's relentless pursuit to bring his people to God. And that given eternity, God will continue working on everyone until eventually all will be saved. The bishop dismisses biblical evidence against her position simply by saying that Lutherans aren't literalists as she confuses parables with clear theological statements such as Matthew 25, which tells us that the wicked shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the, right, the righteous into eternal life, into life eternal. And now, if you're like me, you just heard Keith Green's music in your head. Anyway, how disconcertingly comforting to believe that no matter what we believe, no matter how evil our actions on earth, and no matter how strong our rejection of God, that there will always be a paradise waiting for us in heaven. Last year, Westview Lutheran Church in Boulder, Colorado, ordained the nation's first transgender Latina pastor, 
while the Park Church, a Lutheran ministry in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, held its first Drag Queen Story Hour with Drag Queen the Reverend Yolanda, who is known for her church with a two-drink minimum slogan, which we have actually covered on this show. Yeah. <sighs> wow. So there's a lot there, people. Uh, but Bareface, you're the co-host. You want to comment on this ridiculous article we just read? Shameful. I, I just don't get it. I mean, if if you don't like what's in the sacred texts of the scripture, then why even why even use it? I mean, why why just, why not just come with something entirely, you know, wholesale altogether? I guess. Because it's, I guess because it's a, a, you know, gradual transition for those who, you know, still stuck kind in familiarity of tradition that, you know, just take out stuff they don't like and eventually, you know, they've got something completely altogether different. Um, I mean, uh, I mean they're, they're real close to the universalists, you know, the Unitarian the two merged the universal universalist unitarian church you know about universal salvation that's what the universal is all about that even if there was a hell it's empty so you know this reverend comes from that uh persuasion and it's like i just yeah it's just so contrary to scripture yes the message of scripture is is god's unfailing love but it's by it's it's in his wickedness or our his wickedness our wickedness that we know God's love. It's because of our sinfulness, our unrighteousness, that we recognize God's love. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so you know, going back to the garden, it wasn't they didn't, you know, make a mistake. <laughs> by rejecting God and his word. Like, whoopsie. You know, it was his... At the end of the day, it was rebellion. And and so it's like, well, that's okay, whatever. No, there was there were consequences for that. It's like, well, if you don't like God and his holiness and living in paradise, then, you know, a curse fell upon the earth and mankind. And so, you know... Uh, I mean, hopefully, I know there are some, you know, we wouldn't with our children just just wink at every misbehavior and, and you know, no discipline. Sin, rebellion has consequences. Mm -hmm. and, and if you persist in that, then you know, reject God, then you'll spend an, an eternity without him. I mean, because that doesn't make him less loving. It's because of who we are. Again, our, our sinful nature that makes his love that more evident. I mean, as, as the Lord himself said, if you love those who love you, what do you do more than others? But if you die for someone while they're yet sinners, that, that, Tells you all you need to know about love. Yep. Uh, you know that demonstrates his love and his. Which his, is in what book, actually? Which, which. 
Wow, we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. What book is that in? Do you know? Romans. Chapter 5. Yes, it is. Nailed Mm -hmm. it, Harp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. Um, But, I mean, that concept is is throughout Scripture. Yeah. That God's severe mercy, if you would say, is is steadfast love. That It's not a permissive uh, love. It's a real love. Anyway, all right. So we could go on and just, but yeah. yeah, it's really sad state affairs in the Lutheran Church. So tonight, what we're going to do is a couple of things a little bit differently. So I interviewed a guy I met at a local networking meeting not too long ago, and um, is that Phyllis over on Facebook? Hey, Phyllis, I know Vivian was there, and I see Gina over on Periscope. Yeah, there's three, two people over there on Periscope. Yeah, all right. Thank you, liberal platforms. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so here's here's what I'm going to do. Okay. So I am in a giveaway mood. All right. So I'm going to send you a surprise package. It's not going to have a lot in it, but it will have something in it. And But in order to win this surprise package that I'm going to send you, you got to answer a Bible trivia question. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. So, here's what we're going to do. All right? This is for those of you who are listening live, which is, what, a whopping five or six of you? There's seven on YouTube, one over on Periscope, one on Facebook. So, maybe ten of you, okay, ten whole people may possibly be watching this show. And maybe there's a couple over over on Twitch. I'm not really sure. But here's the thing, okay? So, I'm going to make you work just slightly for this you don't have to work that hard but if you put the answers in the chat that's not going to work because everybody's going to see it so here's the thing you guys gotta text me or email me an answer i think you should just email it. it's way easier okay so you're going to email me your answer to stacy s-t-a-c-y at biblenewsradio.com or you could just simply go to my website biblenewsradio.com and put the answer in through the form on the on the website okay either way is good all right, just remember Stacy Noe at BibleNewsRadio.com, right? Okay, so here, people, is the Bible trivia question of the day. Ready? Okay, and, and, and then I'm going to go through the answers, and hopefully by the end of the show, I'll pick a winner. Oops. Okay, so I'm going to give you a half hour. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you a half hour because we're going to play an interview. It's going to take a half hour for the interview. All right, so here's the question. Ready? I'm making this super easy, just so you know. Okay. Has nothing to do with cotton swabs? It has nothing, <laughs> has nothing to do with cotton swabs. I should put those down. Okay, so... Okay, so... What do you see? I know. I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm debating how easy I'm trying to make this because I'm making this up right now as I think about it. So hold on one minute. I got. I have an idea. Best part about this, I can just make it up as I go along. Yeah. Okay. But we're gonna make this easy. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's see. Okay, got it. 
Okay. In Psalm 23, we are told that God makes us. He No, wrong. In Psalm 23, <laughs> we are told that God leads us somewhere. Okay. Psalm 23, God says that he leads us somewhere. Where does he lead us? I want the New American Standard Version answer. So you're going to have to look up the New American Standard Version, people. Go to Bible.cc in order to do it. Okay? And then email me your answer. And all the people who get me the right answer, I will put into a little drawing, and I'll draw a winner, and you'll get a little prize. You'll get, well, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to get. It will be a surprise. But I already know what I'm going to send you. So, again, in Psalm 23, God says he leads us somewhere. Where is it? Okay. Email me, Stacy at BibleNewsRadio.com. Yeah. Or go to our website, put in the form there. And then hopefully by the end of the show, I will have two or three answers. And then I will pick a winner from those. I'll draw a number and we'll figure it out. Okay. So while you're doing that, I want to tell you, tonight's guest, I met in a networking group. We had a very interesting theological discussion Um and to be honest, I almost didn't have him on the show because his views are completely contrary to what I believe um, biblically. He's, he, he believes um, left what I believe, okay? But I found what he did in his book very compelling. He wrote a book called Swing for the, for the Fences. And his name is Gregory Bancroft. Um, he has a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Religious Studies from the University of Minnesota, a, M, a Master's of Divinity, and counseling uh, and general ministry from Yale, Yale University, uh, doctor of ministry, pastoral counseling. Um, he's a former member of the American Association of Pastoral Counselors, uh, and um, he, he used to work with people who were in substance abuse issues. Uh, he was an Episcopal priest, now retired. Um, he served parishes, camps, U.S. Navy, uh, and he is the author of two critically acclaimed award-winning books, which is actually what we talked about in, in our interview. And he used to be an, an adjunct college professor, uh, certified ropes course instructor, stand-up comic. <laughs> and he's actually a very fascinating guy. Um, and I think, you know, we, we made sure the, the conversation wasn't really theological at all. Um, but I think his message, he has a passion to help people overcome shame. And so I um, wanted to um, uh, just bless him by giving him a little bit of a platform to share his about his books, which are really interesting. And, um, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you know, unfortunately, I guess we're not having baseball. He does not like the Yankees. That's the one thing, you know, I almost, that almost did it right there. I was, you know, that, um, but I have Sean in our audience. So, you know. <laughs> Anyway, so it's a good interview. Um, so I hope you sit back and, and uh, enjoy it. It's the next half hour. Again, email me the answer. I didn't say send me a text with the answer, people. Like, who did that? Wait, somebody already texted me? Oh, yeah. All right, I'll let you. If you, ha if you know, if you're a friend of mine on Messenger, you can also send me a message on Messenger. Okay. Uh, somebody already did that. Okay. All right. So here is our interview with, with Greg Gregory. Bancroft. Hope you enjoy it. 
Okay, so now we are here with Gregory Bancroft, who is the author of two books we're going to talk about today. This book, Swing for the Fences. Mm -hmm. Show up, dig in, and suck less. Yeah. And also this book right here, Betsy's Day at the Game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that cute, everybody? See that? That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So... Um, this is your first time on my show, so I want to thank you for joining me. Glad you're here. For having me. Yeah. Hey, you know, <clears throat> tell some people a little bit about your background, because I don't interview people that, that, you know, that talk about baseball a whole lot, unless they're Yankee fans, which, well, <laughs> we had a pre-interview conversation, and we won't go there. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, for many years, I was an Episcopal priest and Navy chaplain. I've lived all over the place. And uh, I've worked in Fortune 500 companies. And uh, I've also um, now most recently retired, and you see air quotes around that, and uh, entered full-time into speaking and writing. So uh, in addition to books, I also publish a blog on my website. And I speak around the country, uh, although not lately because of the whole virus thing, but I did do a, a web a webcasting or web, I don't know what you call it. Uh, I, I spoke online to a group of pastors not too long ago, and that was pretty cool because we were able to include people from around the country who wouldn't otherwise have been there. Yeah, that's cool. So it's not every day I have a retired priest on the show. So what was it like being an Episcopal priest? My mom was Episcopalian. Okay. Well, um, it was the best of times and the worst of times, to quote a, a phrase. Uh, lots of lots of good things about it. Um, I loved uh, preaching. I loved teaching. I loved uh, the people being with people. Uh, what I did not like was the tedium of church politics. Um, well, that's enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's people, of, you know what I'm saying? People. Well, a couple of days ago, I was reading an old journal of mine. I had just found this on the couch, stuffed away in a box. And I opened it up and saw that the date was in here from 2011. And uh, as I'm reading through this gratitude journal from 2011, a lot of what I wrote about was getting really hurt in the church. So it wasn't, it ended up not being a big, huge gratitude journal. <laughs> so all I have to say is I get it. I totally, okay. so, but, okay, so you've, but you were a chaplain too, which is kind of cool. It is cool. I loved it. I, I was uh, in the Navy Reserves. I was assigned to Marines uh, out of Okinawa. And so I was able to go to Okinawa a couple of times, uh, a couple of different times and been all over the United States uh, with them. And in that capacity, I had an opportunity to um, do a lot of speaking and teaching and uh, ministering. Uh, one that I remember most vividly was doing a speech to a group of chaplains from around the world. They had people from NATO and uh, the Pentagon, and British Royal Navy and Australia, just all over the place. and. Uh, if I, can I tell this quick story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, it was at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, 
and I discovered that I had the wrong pads for my shoulders. And a friend of mine just happened to be in his office there. And I called him and he let me use his old ones. He said, they're not gonna pass inspection. I said, I'm not worried about that at this point. And uh, so I got him. And then I was putting a new belt tip on my belt and I slipped and it, the prong hit my finger and I got blood on my pants, so they're white. And I couldn't remember, let's see, do you use hot water with blood or do you use cold water? So I thought I maybe I'll go with lukewarm because I'll either be half right or you know half wrong. Well, anyway, it titrated out into this pink mass, big pink mass all across the front. And oh, great, well, I just have to go. And so there's this uh, reception uh, at the uh, officer's club with all these uh, big wigs, right? And I'm late, so I gotta get there. Well, you can't run and, and you can't cut a crap uh, across the grass. So I'm weaving through as fast as I can to get over there. And um, it's about a billion degrees out, so I'm sweating or whatever. And I get to the room and I see that everybody's just now sitting down and I spot an open chair and I dive in and I sit down. I sit next to this guy who's from the Scottish Royal Navy and he looks at my name tag and he says, oh, I'm looking forward to your speech tonight. And I said, no, that's tomorrow night. And he said, no, and he shows me the program <laughs> that I'm on there. And I went, oh no. So I got up and when it was time to uh, speak and I had a great big napkin, I was pretending to wipe my mouth and kind of hunched over and I, I got to the podium. My notes were back in my room and whatever. Uh, so I did this speech and, and um, I was reading Susan Howitch's book on uh, glittering images. That what you see on the outside doesn't necessarily reflect what's on the inside. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I told that story. Then I told the story about the the belt and all that, people started laughing. Then I stood out from behind the podium and you could see this big pink mark on my white uniform and people were laughing so hard they were crying. I got a standing ovation. Uh, I heard about it for days later, it was awesome. Uh, people were really grateful that I was so vulnerable with them and uh, able to share that good humor. Well, that's, that's cool. I can't, your mic kind of went out just so you know, so I don't know. Oh. Should I keep it down like this? Yeah, probably so I, yeah, so I can hear you just a little bit better. Okay, sorry about that. It's okay. It's, it happens. It is what it is. Sure. You know, it's interesting. One of my favorite books is The Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I love that book because, you know, it's all about being real. So what you just said was kind of cool, you know, tied into that. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, my very first networking meeting, just so everybody knows, I met Greg Gray at a networking meeting locally online during the quarantine. And uh, my very first one I had to speak at. I got there, I had my whole presentation planned. And then of course, all the technology failed. So the PowerPoint didn't work. So I had to speak from, like memory for 20 minutes. And yeah, right, you know, I was like, I was like, and I got teary-eyed and everything and like everybody's staring at me and I'm, I'm like, that's okay. But yeah, I, I got a membership after, so it was worth it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. You know, people can be vulnerable with each other. And um, isn't that, uh, I'm paraphrasing Paul, of course, but didn't Paul say something about uh, I made strong in my weakness? Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. So let's talk about your book. That's why you're here, huh? Sweet. Sure. 
Yeah. The fences. Okay, so my first question is, how did you get interested in baseball? Because clearly you love baseball a lot. I do love baseball. Uh, in fact, the chair that I'm sitting in right now uh, hails from the middle 1800s, and it was at, uh, sat by the desk in our family's hardware store. And I would sit in this chair as a little boy, and I would talk to my grandfather about baseball, either my own little league games or what was going on uh, in the major leagues. So this chair has a great deal of sentimental value to me. But, uh, and my grandfather really never talked to us grandkids at all. And, and uh, he would talk to me about baseball, and that's about all. So um, I lived in a little town in Minnesota, it's called Stillwater. It's a farming community on the border between Minnesota and Wisconsin. And now it's basically a suburb of the Twin Cities, but when I was growing up, nobody went to the Twin Cities, it was too far away. And uh, there, I mean, when I say there was nothing to do, there was nothing to do in this little town. So we played baseball almost every day uh, in the summer. And then uh, once a week, we could get books from the library. So we would go down there and carry as many books as our little spindly arms could hold. We'd read them and then trade them and we'd be done by Thursday, <laughs> waiting for next Tuesday. Sometimes we'd read them twice. Uh, and then we'd go fishing or whatever, but we always played baseball every single day. And uh, when I got old enough, I was able to join a little league and uh, and that was really fun. We We played real games and we had a t-shirt and we had a cap and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then my grandfather took me to the World Series. Mm -hmm. uh, when the Minnesota Twins used to be the Washington Senators, they came to uh, Minnesota and um, I was in uh, junior high. I got out of school, so uh, that was pretty cool. And then uh, I went to the game with my grandfather and we saw Sandy Koufax, who was pitching for the Dodgers at the time, uh, pitched a three-hitter on two days rest because uh, he wouldn't pitch his normal start, which uh, happened to fall on Yom Kippur, so only had two days rest. And it was a phenomenal game. Of course, we lost, but uh, just the whole thing about that was uh, spectacular. And then we talked about it all the way home. So I've just always loved baseball. Um, I, I love listening to a game. I love watching a game. I love being at a game keeping score. You'll notice my children's book is about keeping score. And one of the uh, ways that I sold that uh, to the publisher was I opened up my score card, score book, and it was uh, on the week that my son announced his engagement to our now daughter-in-law. And uh, you could see the history of our family through the lens of baseball. And this little girl demonstrates that in the book. And that's what Penny Marshall liked about it so much. She commented on that one time and she really liked that feature. And that's what sold the book to the publisher. And a lot of people have commented on that. They, they think that's sweet. So I still do that. When I go to a game, I take my scorebook, I keep score and I write down what's happening uh, in our life, like a journal uh, in the margins of baseball. That's so we're all about baseball around here. Well, you know, I'm going to read just in the back of this book. It says, this is about you. It says, Gregory Bancroft is an avid baseball fan, shares an experience of going to a game that mirrors his own time spent with his kids. Growing up, Greg loved being outdoors, especially playing baseball in the summers. 
He holds degrees from the University of Minnesota, Yale, and Luther Seminary. He and his wife live in Minneapolis near Lake Nokomis. 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 Clearly, I'm not from there. <laughs> yeah. While his children and grandchildren are scattered across the country. That is so cool. So, you know, I mean, I think of bowling because, you know, you take, you do, you know, you got to keep score bowling. But, but yeah, baseball you do too. It's nine innings unless you get like overtime and, um, and all that. So why did you write for a child and then an adult? Yeah, so the children's book came first. And um, I wanted to teach uh, kids how to score. It, it's kind of a lost art. And um, I didn't want it to come out sounding like, you know, those uh, game cards that you uh, see people, you know, you're, you get with a uh, deck of cards or something, you read through it, and, oh my gosh, you just, you know, you want to slit your wrist. So I, I'm in the shower one day and I thought, why don't you just go to a game? Ah, right. Because that's what you do when you go to a game, you keep score. So I went to a game and there's some parts and pieces in there of things that actually happened to us. And um, it's uh, just sort of descriptive of what a, a game was like for us. And interestingly enough, uh, there are people that work with uh, elderly. They came across this book and they love it for its intergenerational relationship. It's a healthy relationship between the little girl and uh, her grandfather, where he's not a doddering old fool. And, uh, you know, she's glad to be with him, but they're not like her pals at school kind of thing. And it's just a really fun relationship that they have with each other. And uh, people like that. Uh, there is also a, a college class uh, in St. Paul that developed a reading curriculum that goes along with this and that you can download for free off my website. And schools all across the country uh, use it. Uh, in fact, I can even say across the world because I was at a book signing one time and there was a woman from England who's a school teacher in England and she comes to the States or goes somewhere in the summer and, and does something interesting and she saw this and she bought the book and, and uh, I know that she uses the curriculum in her classroom. So international, right? Yeah. That's kind yeah. of fun. You know what? Own that. Yeah. yeah. It's like this show is international. There you go. Yep. So I did that with kids. And then somebody said, you know, you really ought to write something for adults. And, um, you know, something where there are life lessons. Because there's so many life lessons in baseball. And so you'll see each of the chapters is kind of a theme. Like perseverance or uh, dealing with... Um, injustice, you know, unfairness in the world, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. How, to, how to deal with failure, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, let me read some of the chapters because, you know, this is, this is uh, how many chapters you got in here? We got quite a few, actually. Well, there's 23 because there's 23 up and 23 down in a ball game. Okay, so this one has 27, though. Oh, I'm sorry, 27. Yeah, I said 23. Well, that's okay. 27. I was thinking three outs in an inning. Yeah. Okay, so there's 27 chapters. My favorite number is 14. So but, um, a meaning-making game practice ritual. That's one chapter. Mm -hmm. Then that's number seven. Suck less. Control. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Let's see. Then there's like number one, swing for the fences, embrace failure. It all starts with little league, absorb affirmation, spring training, reinforce learnings, opening day, revisit hope. Um, yeah, baseball is timeless, stop rushing. The postseason as a do-over, celebrate opportunity. I like that. So yeah, so there's a lot of cool things. And then everybody, if you look here in the book, check this out. You got in the batter's box, which you know, tell us tell us about that. And then you intentionally lead blank blank pages here for a reason. Right. So you can see home plate, and then those rectangles on either side of it are the batter's boxes. One for a left-handed batter, one for a right-handed batter. And uh, you've got to step up, you, you know, and you've heard that expression, people have to show up, they have to step up, you know, yes. do their part. So you've just read a chapter on uh, dealing with failure, for example. And uh, I ask you some questions in that section. And here's an opportunity for you to step up to the batter's box, step up to the plate and write your thoughts, your reactions, your feelings to that chapter and uh, what insights, wh what words resonate with you, and what might you do to um, strengthen your ability to deal with failure, or where do you need help, where can you ask for help, that sort of thing. So it's kind of like a personal development type book. It is, yep. And you can do it uh, right there by yourself uh, using that uh, little journaling technique, or uh, you can do it in a group, which a number of places have told me they do. Yeah, see, I think that's cool. And you know what, honestly, having studied how to learn and stuff, one of the, I remember one of the courses I was in, and I don't know what class it was, but I remember we had, we had reading assignments, and the way that we were taught was go at the end of every chapter or even every paragraph, write down the main thought you got at the end of that, and then by the end of reading the book, all you had to do is read your little cliff notes, and you will have read the book again by oh that's clever i like that i'm going to share that with my grandkids yeah no i mean it's good because it's basically what you're doing here you know just doing that so that's kind of cool okay and before the show you started to tell me about the cover of the book which is very nice by the way this feels so nice yeah right well um thank you a lot of thought a lot of research went into this so i'm just really proud of it uh the title first of all swing for the fences there are a lot of hopes and dreams that people have and uh sometimes they give up too soon uh people know about babe ruth right mm -hmm. babe ruth was a home run king for years and um he hit a lot of home runs, swung hard, whatever. A lot of people don't know that he led the major leagues five separate seasons in strikeouts. He was the strikeout king five separate times. So um, obviously he's swinging for the fences, but he's missing. And we won't get into the physics here, but it's just ridiculously hard to hit a round ball with a round bat. And if you did it successfully I mean you'd have to put it somewhere where nobody's standing uh, so they don't catch it or they throw you out so to, to do it successfully three times out of ten that's called batting 300 you would probably make the major leagues and if you did that your whole career undoubtedly you get into the baseball hall of fame that's how hard it is but you would have failed twice as many times right so swing for the fences go for those dreams you know get out there uh, and keep swinging don't give up and show up means you got to be there 
physically, emotionally, you know, in relationships, in a family, in a work team, uh, on a sports team, you've, you've got to be there, okay? And you have to dig in. You've got to do your part. Doesn't mean you have to be successful all the time. Remember, again, Babe Ruth was not successful every time, but he did his best. He he he. Every day he got a little bit better. And, and baseball is about progress, not perfection. And I got this idea from Tony Oliva, who endorsed the book. He was a very min famous Minnesota Twins baseball player. He would get to the ballpark early, and he would imagine him. He would be in the in the car, and he would imagine himself talking to a child who is on a dairy farm. Now, uh, uh, dairy farming is twice a day, every day, 365 days a year. You got to milk the cows, no matter what. Nobody takes a vacation. Nobody gets time off. You can't be sick. I mean, you, you got to milk the cows. You got to be there. So to get away come into the cities and go to a baseball game is a really huge thing. So he knew that he had to put everything aside and show up for that kid, dig in at the plate, do his very best. He'd have to dig in in the outfield and chase down fly balls, do his very best. And then I said, um, and suck less. He thought about it and he laughed and he said, yeah, I guess that's it. Because <laughs> we're not talking about perfection. We're just talking about sucking less than you did before because you're never going to be perfect. Then the picture is actually a picture of a softball diamond. So I was talking with a baseball coach at Lipscomb University, and this girl came by who uh, plays for, on the softball team, the women's softball team, and she said, oh, is this a book about softball? And I said, well, it could be. And then I explained it to her, and she laughed, and she said, oh, that's very clever. And my son, when he saw the picture, he said, you meant to do that on purpose, didn't you, Dad? And I said, I did. And he said, ah, that's very clever. Uh, because there's not a pitcher's mound. The softball field is flat. The you know, pitcher's rubber is on the flat ground, whereas in baseball, it would be on a mound. You know what? I did not know that, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Yes, yeah, I learned something new. I always learn something new. Okay, also, you have on here the seal, which which is says independent publisher book awards. You, so you are award-winning. Both of them won awards. Yep. Yeah. The children's book won a mom's choice gold award. Yeah, right there. So there are 5,000 products vetted from around the world and mine won for children's literature that year. So that's, I'm very proud of. And the silver one, it's called an Ippy independent publishers award. And uh, that was really cool because the award ceremony was at the Copacabana in Manhattan. How cool is that? But um, this is a collection of independent publishers all around the world and they have different categories. And I got a silver category for the self-help uh, piece. And the, the Ippy is a very, very coveted award. And, and I'm, I'm very proud of that fact. Um, the first adult book won an award and my first children's book won an award. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm batting a thousand, they say. I'm, I'm two for two. So I could say I've had an Ippy Award winner on my show. You can. <laughs> and a Mom's Choice winner. There you go. <laughs> yeah, look at you. Award-winning author. There you go. Hey, you know what? I take any awards I can get, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Even if you call me in time for dinner. Yep. That's right. So, um, yeah, you know, okay. So, um, 
Now you have a website, so I want you to tell everybody where you can go because um, that's where you can get the, I know you can get them on Amazon. Can you get them on Amazon too? Or? Yeah, um, but if you buy Swing for the Fences on my website, then I'll send you Betsy's Day at the Game for free. Uh, sort of a bull goal, buy one, get one uh, situation. So it's uh, of course, www.ggregorybancroft.com. And the G Gregory, it's my name is George Gregory Bancroft, but I use my first initial. So there's two G's, ggregorybancroft.com. Yeah, and everybody, obviously the name is on the screen, but for those of you who aren't watching and you're listening to my podcast, how do you spell your name? Right. So uh, B, as in, I'm assuming you're talking about the last name, but uh, B like boy, A, N like Nancy, C like Charlie, R, O, F as in Frank, T as in Thomas, Bancroft. There you go, people. You should go there. Yeah, you should. Because, you know what, I guarantee you that there's a lot of you out there who are grandparents and parents. And this year, I think, is kind of unprecedented in the fact that as of right now, there is no baseball, right? Yeah. I know, right? Can you, what is your thoughts about this whole quarantine thing and like no baseball? I know we're going a little bit longer, but I'm kind of curious what you think. Well, there was something in the Tennessean um, uh, this week or last week where this coach, this high school coach said, you got to cut the grass whether you're playing or not. And so the grounds crew is not uh, at work. Um, but he got in, he got the lawnmower and he was cutting the grass and then he was standing, I'm probably going to get emotional here. He was standing on the hill overlooking the field and uh, he was sad because the seniors who had worked hard, so hard and all over, uh, you know, over the winter months had lifted weights and all that and got in the batting case. They were ready. They were, they wanted to strut their stuff and have the best season ever, their final year of high school. Well, they couldn't play. And, um, and nobody's sitting in the stands eating popcorn. Nobody's yelling and cheering. You don't hear attaboy, good swing, good cut, good eye. Uh, it's quiet. Uh, he cut the grass. The field looks great because it's not getting torn up. Um, but um, he talks about a sadness of the game not being there. And yet, you know, we all understand, uh, we, we absolutely understand, and, and the only weapon we have against this stupid virus, really, is uh, social distancing. Stay away from each other. Uh, and, and, you know, until we get a vaccine, until we get some cures or whatever, that's what we've got to do. That's the only thing we can do. And so we do that here. We live in a, we moved from Minneapolis. We're down in Nashville now. We live in a three-generation family with our daughter and her husband and two grandkids, three cats and a German shepherd the size of a small truck, <laughs> all under one roof. And um, we, we just stay here. Uh, we have a great good fortune of having a, a beautiful piece of property. We can get outside and play catch. We can throw batting practice. We can climb in the trees. I mean, it's, you know, there's some elbow room around here. So thank God we're not in a, an apartment in the middle of the city kind of thing. Eee, gads. So um, we don't have baseball. I miss it a lot. And uh, my new normal uh, doesn't include baseball anymore. Uh, I was thinking about that on Sunday, how I was listening to the birds and I was reflecting on the fact that there's no sound of baseball in the background because I would, 
I would have the radio on low and, um, you know, just kind of background, but it was just birds and I was a little sad. Yeah. But I'll be sad in order to save a life, you know? Yeah, of course. Well, do you have a favorite baseball movie? Oh, gosh. Um, oh. Maybe that'll make you happy when you think about it. Yeah. Well, you know, Field of Dreams, I guess, would, would be it. And uh, the scene at the end where the, the dad comes out and says, hey, you want to play a catch? And the two of them, the, the dad and the son, are, are playing catch. Uh, I don't think there was a man in that audience who wasn't crying. <laughs> you know, they think about their own son. They think about their own dad. And what a special moment that is. And uh, so I would say Field of Dreams. My sister and her husband have actually been to that field. After the movie was made in Iowa, the guy was going to plow it under and plant corn. And people said, no. So now they've turned it into a park and thousands of people go there every year. I mean, that's the power of baseball. Yeah, I know. I think, I think almost everybody, well, I can't say that. I can't speak for everybody. But I think, at least for me, I have very fond memories of like my very first baseball game at Angel Stadium in California. Mm. I told you this. I had ice cream in a Cincinnati Red Pack. And, yeah. You know, and... And there's just something about the hot dog and the popcorn and yelling and screaming with thousands of people. That's yeah. Fun. <laughs> and Angel Stadium with that cool tower and it's got that round thing at the top. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, so so it's a it's a good thing. And you know what? I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we met. I'm glad that I can have you on to tell people about your book. I want people to go get it. So just one more time, tell them where they can get it, and then we got to wrap it up here. Yes, ma'am. www.gregorybancroft.com. And thank you so much. And then there's the other one. Those of you who are grandparents, you know you want to get this. Just so yes, you, you do. And I'll, I'll put that in for free if you buy Swing off my website. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for being my guest. I really well, Thanks so much for having me. What fun. I'm, I'm so glad we met. And, you know, at some point we'll be able to shake hands, have a cup of coffee or something. All right. Hello, people. I'm back. Okay. You know, the funny thing is, is I interviewed him wearing this same shirt. And today I actually was wearing this shirt. So I didn't even know I was wearing the same shirt. But anyway. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. You guys saw the website, the whole interview, so hopefully you'll take some time to go check that out. All right, during the break, during the interview, I got a couple of responses uh, for people who've entered the contest. So the question was, on Psalm 23, the question was, where does God lead us? Okay, the answer to the question was, he leads me beside quiet waters so four of you four of you responded three of you got it correct so the three of you that got correct would be melanie would be sean and would be phyllis okay so now we're going to do a draw okay i have a bingo card here yeah i do so <clears throat> i'm going to highlight one of the numbers on the bingo card then three of you guys have to give the answer pick a number Okay, 
and then whoever gets it close, which I will show you the number afterwards, whoever gets it will win. Well, they don't know what picks are possible unless you hold the bingo card up. No, no, no. no. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to give a number between, you know, I'm going to, I'm highlighting a number right now. I'm going to highlight the number on the card here. Right. but And then I'm going to tell people to pick a number between one and 40. Okay. So it's a number between one and 40. It's on this card. So Melanie and Sean and Phyllis, go ahead, type in your answers wherever you're at. A number between one and four, zero. And whoever gets closest will win. It's that, it's that easy. It's that easy, people. There is no, like, favoritism or anything. Whoever gets closest to my number that I highlighted here, which I'll show you in a minute, as soon as you three weigh in with your answers, between a number of one and 40 people, whoever's closest to it will win. Yeah, you will. And here's the thing. The gift that you're going to get is going to come from send out cards. And we want to show you that in just a second. But first, I'm waiting for the numbers here to come in. There's only three of you. I know Melanie's going to send it to you, Randall. That's fine. Keep in mind there's like a 20-second delay. delay. Okay, so Sean picked 14. Olive Gardner, you don't count because you didn't enter the contest. Sorry. Because uh, you had to answer the, you had to get into this drawing in order to, you, you had to answer the question to get into this drawing. 37 from Melanie. Okay, so Melanie says 37. All right, so we got 37 for Melanie. Wait a minute, I got to find a pen. I'm going to write this down. Well, actually, I don't need to write it down because I have. Stellar Oops. memory. Huh? Oops, I just ripped, ripped the paper. Yeah, it's not that, it's not, it's not that hard. Yeah, I'm waiting for Phyllis to to, uh, to weigh in. Is Phyllis weighed in yet? Wait, hold on. What platform is she on? She was on Facebook. I don't... But if she isn't there, then... <laughs> then we will see... Not seeing. Okay. Putting on Facebook. I can't tell whether Phyllis or not, is there or not. I. I just see a number of viewers unless they s say anything, in the Facebook Live producer window. Then. Doesn't tell you who's there. I'm a. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm gonna. Wait to see if a comment came in. My Facebook page is taking forever to load. Yeah, it is. Of course it would. It would take forever to load, wouldn't it? <sighs> One moment, please, while Facebook takes forever to load. Mm-hmm. Of course, on Facebook, I could have post posted a poll. You could have, yeah. could have. But nobody really watches on Facebook for for the full show. That's the that's the sad, tragic part about Facebook. Usually, it's a two minute watch, and then people scroll through, which is why YouTube is the better platform to watch on. And it's still taking forever to 
load here. Mm-hmm. Well, so while that's taking forever to load, why don't you go ahead and and go to the link that I, or or highlight the link I put, you know, put the link up on the, on uh, on display Bible it. News Radio thing. Yeah, display the link. That's what I meant to say. Okay. So um, I want you guys to know that I love send out cards. This is why I thought it'd be cool to use send out cards to send you a gift, whoever won. Um, I've been using send out cards for a number of years. Recently, I decided to become an affiliate with send out cards and you can actually, uh, go and you can use a send out card account for free. You don't even have to pay anything. I actually upgraded cause I've been sending out a lot of cards, uh, to my legal shield customers. Um, whenever I get a legal shield customer, I try to thank them. And one of the best ways to do it is without send out, send out cards. So. Um, if you're interested and you want to go check it out, there's a link to my particular page. You can do that and um, sign up for a free account. Um, the, um... And okay, finally it loaded over here, but I'm still not seeing any answers because I got to wait for the chat to load. Okay, so Phyllis, we need a number from you. I see that you're in there, Phyllis. So I need a number between 1 and 40. So we can see if you are going to be the winner or if Melanie or Sean is going to be the winner <laughs> to our thing. So put in a number. Okay. We need to, we need you to just type it in the chat there on Facebook. A number between one and four zero people. Okay. And it needs to be soon or I'm just not going to count you as a, <laughs> as, as a thing. And I, I just can't see anything. Maybe you can just send it to me in text message. That might be easier if you're, you're, I can see you're still watching on Facebook. So, uh, maybe you just put it in my, in my messenger. Cause if you are, if you are, I'm writing something, I'm not seeing it. Uh, I'm going to put hi, see if we can. Yeah. Okay. Phyllis, are you out there? You need to put in a number between one and 40. So I have a third person. Yes, this is the most horrible platform to work on is Facebook. And I'm not getting a message in my messenger either. Okay. Trying to give enough time for everybody to get the answer. All right, Phyllis, I guess you're falling asleep or something. Are you seeing any answers over there on Facebook? I am not. Oh, I'm not either. Okay. All right. Well, so then here so is... 14 and 37. Huh? So just 14 and 37, right? Yep, 14 and 37. Okay. Let's see who won. The number I was looking for is 31. So that means that Melanie Weiser won the prize, even though you didn't think I would send you one, Mel. Thanks for the snarky comment you left with Randall. But here's the thing, girlfriend. I will definitely send you a prize. So just let me let him know if it's the right um, address, if I still have your, if it's the same address or a new address. All right. So congratulations. All right. So I am going to um, 
So did you put up the send? Did you actually put up the link though, where people can I go? I did. Go and put it back. I didn't see it. You I saw the attention. thing, but I actually didn't see the the actual link that people can go to. Where's um, it at? It's there. Where? There. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah, cool. Yep. So if you want to go send out cards, just check it out. It's pretty cool. It's a cool thing. Sorry, Phyllis. Unfortunately, I didn't see your number. We gave you a lot of time to put an answer in, so you you didn't win. Melanie did. Yep. All right. Okay. So uh, th tomorrow night, tomorrow night is going to be an epic show. Yeah, it is. Tomorrow night, I have a Christian magician on the show. His name uh, is Stephen. Stephen Wood. And um, I met him in a networking group. Man, I'm going to tell you, I have met so many cool people in networking groups. If you're not out there networking your business, you should definitely get out there. Um, anyway, he lives in California. Um, and I met him in a Christian business partners networking group. He's a Christian. And I interrogated him, actually, about how can he be a Christian and a magician? Isn't this of the devil? Magic? And anyway, we ended up talking for over over an hour. And after I got done talking to him, I was like, I got to have him on my show. So tomorrow night, 6 p.m., Stephen is going to be doing some magic. Yeah, he is. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, you know, Christians and magic. And is it sorcery? What is it really? Um, and I think you will be, um, I think you'll be, well, I think you'll, I think you're, you're going to enjoy the show. I ended up, I mean, this guy here is the nicest guy and he, <laughs> let me put it this way. I never thought I would have a magician on my show, but we're going to have fun tomorrow night. So make sure y'all come back. Even you, Melanie, come on back, girlfriend, watch the show tomorrow. It's going to be great. Yeah, it is. All right, so 6 p.m. Central Time, share it out with your friends. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Christian, well, we're going to talk to Christian, uh, to Stephen, who is a Christian, but he does magic, and he uses magic to share the gospel, which is super cool. See, you know, Janet Parshall always used to say, God puts his people everywhere, and, and he totally does, even with a deck of cards. Yeah. <sighs> You know, like this. Like, for example, did you see when I had the thing in my hand and now it's not? Or is it? No, it is. See? Did you see how I did that? Pretty tricky of me, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, people. So, tomorrow night, uh, we're going to do some magic, people. <laughs> and, uh, Melanie, I'm going to get this gift to you in the mail. Assuming I have the right address, just let Randall know. And, uh... And, uh, Sean, sorry, you lost to Melanie. Bummer, bub, bummer. Oh, well. Okay, well, anyway, we'll, we'll do this again, too. Don't worry about it. Um, let's see. I think that's it. I think that's it, people. So I hope you have a good night. Remember, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God. Yeah, because he loves you.